Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. Hey church family, many of you already know that Rowena and I will be taking some time off in August, but not to worry, we'll be enjoying some of the best speakers on the planet, and you can expect our normal Sunday morning live stream on Facebook and YouTube, as well as our live stream watch parties and our Sunday uh, 5.30 live gathering, all of which will be awesome as always. That being said, let's dive into our series, The Best Worst. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, we read these words, You planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for my good. These were the words Joseph expressed to his brothers some 15 years after they sold him into a human trafficking ring, which led to him becoming a slave in the house of Potiphar, which led then to his incarceration. And then through a bizarre twist of events, he found himself before Pharaoh to interpret a God-given dream about an upcoming drought. When Pharaoh saw the touch of God on his life to interpret the dream and the wisdom he possessed, he placed Joseph in charge of the entire plan to keep the nation from experiencing famine, which then brought him back together with his brothers who needed food. And as they stood before him, they were afraid for their lives. And after all they did to Joseph, they should have been. But Joseph saw the hand of God in it all. He saw the best in spite of the very worst. And he went on to express a profound biblical truth when he said, you planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for my good. Our series, The Best Worst, leans into this very idea that God is able to do some of his very best work in our lives during some of the very worst of circumstances. So today, I want you to grab your Bible, your pen, your paper, and enjoy this special message from Pastor Kerry Robertson, who with his wife, Rian, and daughter, Summer, are planting a C3 church right in the heart of Frisco, Texas. Kerry is a close friend, a servant here in our local church, and you will absolutely appreciate the word he has for you today. Enjoy. Well, hello, C3 Southwest Washington, Kerry Robertson here. It is so good to be with you at this time. Uh, It's been a few months, but uh, it's been great to be back in the pulpit. We're not quite the pulpit that you're normally used to, but uh, this is uh, what Corona has created for us. But uh, I want to thank right now and honor your pastors, Pastor Steve and Rowena Parrish, what legends they are so good to you know have them in my world i tell you this but right now they are actually preaching in texas and our church down there so thank you for releasing them i'm here he's released me to be in front of you right now so it's great to be here in this place well i'm excited because i've got a word burning on the inside of me i want to take you on a bit of a journey so if you've got your bibles love you to grab a hold of them open up to the book of mark mark chapter four is where we're going to be reading from before we do that let's pray Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you're an awesome God. We thank you, Father, that you are for us and not against us. We thank you, Father, that every journey that you take us on, Lord God, Father, that you're going to be with us in season and out of season. You're going to be with us, Lord God, the good, the bad, the indifferent. We pray that you breathe on this message. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, book of Mark chapter 4. If you're wondering where it is, it's in the Bible. Yes, that's right. But Mark chapter 4, here it is. It's on page 885. 
There it is, just to prove it to you. Page eight eight five. Uh, it's right there. Uh, we're actually going to be reading from uh, pages. Uh, so verses thirty five. Actually, now it's uh, eight eight six. If you can't find it, turn to the book of contents. And it'll point you in the right direction there. Here we go. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, he took him along, just as he was in the boat. There was also other boats with him. And if you're a squall came up, the waves broke over the boat, so they were nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're about to drown? He got up. He rebuked the wind and the waves. Quiet be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and they even said this to each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Well, I've discovered that in the journey of life that there are moments where Jesus says, let's go to the other side. When, when, when you hear those words, go to the other side, I know that God loves us enough not to leave us where we are. Understand this, that when we're talking about going to the other side, sometimes it's a physical shift. For us, right now, we're in a physical shift. But you know what? Sometimes it's a spiritual shift. Sometimes it's an emotional shift. Sometimes there is a shifting that's taking place. I've sensed there are some people that have been doing life in first gear. Now, I don't know if you've ever driven a manual car. Most of you have. But here's the thing. When you're in a manual car, you, you've got gears that you've got to shift. And a lot of people have been doing life in first gear. Problem if you drive your car in first gear, number one, there will be limits to your speed, there'll be a limit of the effectiveness of your car, and secondly, the lifespan of your car will only last so long. So, so here's the thing is you carry on that way, eventually you're going to burn out. And I kind of feel like it's a time for you to shift gears in your life. It's time to change it up because there's time for you to accelerate. There's time to get more life out of you. And I'm believing that today I'm a voice that brings a shift and change in your life. Jeremiah 29 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. It's environments like this. It's environments when we're in worship, environments where you hear the preaching of the word, when you're praying, where God comes and he brings a download, a download of a message into our life that says, I want you to go to the other side. I'd love you to show hands right now. I know you're in a lounge room. I know you might be in your office looking at your computer or your device right now. But can I just say this? It's a time for you to respond. But who wants to go to the other side? Come on, put your hands up. That's you. That's you. And you, definitely you. That's you. Just there. Uh, We want you to go to the other side. Hey, just want to say this. that There are two observations I found about the story. Two observations about what happened when they went to the other side. The first observation was that there was a shift in who did the miracles. Now, up until this moment, it was Jesus that had done all the miracles. I mean, up until that moment, uh, this is what we've been recorded in the book of Mark chapter 4. But so far, there'd been demon deliverance in the synagogue and on the street. There was common fevers healed. There was uh, leprosy cleansed. Paralytic uh, started walking. And a shriveled hand had been straightened. I mean, that was pretty good, pretty decent. This is just in the very early hours of his ministry that had taken place. And Jesus took them to the other side. There was a shift in the influence of who did the miracles. Because it wasn't long after that. If you read on from this, when you go to the next chapter, what happens next one or two chapters, what happens is Jesus then sends them out 
two by two, what to do to do the miracles, the signs and wonders, the healing of the sick, the raising of the dead, the casting out of devils. That is what happened at that time. This is the second thing that I noticed that there was a shift. Number one, it was a shift in who did the miracles, but there was also a shift in the influence that took place. Up until that point, what had been mentioned was crowds. I mean, Jesus, there was something about him. You wanted to be around him. You wanted to hear from him. It, it, was, it was supernatural. He was a great uh, orator. The compassion, the love, the, the miraculous. I mean, you wanted to be around where Jesus was. But, but here's the thing, is that up until this point, it only recorded crowds. But after this, the wording changed. The crowds no longer. It now became multitudes. And I kind of feel like that we're stepping into a season where not only will you see pastors doing miracles, You'll actually start seeing people in your congregations. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. And I'm talking about you doing the miraculous uh, around about the place. I'm talking about the shifting of gears. As a church, we're not just reaching crowds, but we're going to start stepping into a place where we're going to see the multitudes and influences lifting. And so, you know what? Let me prophesy over you as a church that you're going to start influencing uh, in a pandemic, in a shutdown time. You're going to start influencing people around about you. Come on, someone get excited. Put your hands together. It's a beautiful thing. Come on, who's ready to go to the other side? I'm ready to go to the other side. I had a, a great mentor, his name was Winky Prattney, a great preacher that came out of New Zealand. He was a man that studied revival from the day of Pentecost up until this day. He was one of the major contributors to the Revival Study Bible. He's written a book on revival and he's an authority in the, uh, I guess, in the, the Christian world of revival. Every time I'd get with him, I would glean from him, I'd get some advice from him. I remember one particular day him looking at me. And he said to me, Kerry, every generation has the opportunity to move of God. My question for you, Kerry, is when God turns up on his bus, will you be ready to get on that bus? And I want to challenge you right now. When God shows up in this generation, my question for you is, will you be ready to get on that bus? Because he's taken us into a new day. So who's ready to get on the bus? Who's ready in this story to get on the boat? Well, I'm sure the disciples are ready to go on a journey. They're about to go to the other side because they're going on a journey with Jesus. It's an exciting new day and that, that was the best. It was excitement. It was high. It was a, a moment where they're going to explore some new lands, new territories and see Jesus in action and what he was doing. And there's something about vision. There's something when vision is injected into our life that we find ourselves getting the fuel that we need for the journey ahead of us. They sit out, but you know how the story goes. Jesus falls asleep not long after that. They find themselves in the middle of a storm in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of this lake. But it ain't just a little storm. I'm telling you, waves are crashing over the boat. They're getting swamped. It's getting bad. I mean, we're going down. I mean, it is a bad situation. They're screaming out at that time. Now I can just see the disciples at this time thinking to themselves, Jesus told us to go to the other side. He never mentioned that there was going to be a storm. He never mentioned that we were going to drown and we're going to get go under. Right now, it doesn't doesn't seem like he's with us. He's asleep at the back of the boat. When we go through storms, when we go through crisis in our life, there there are going to be two thoughts that typically will crop up at that time. The the first question is this, is how long will it take for me to get through the storm? We're going to be battling stuff. We're going to be fighting some giants at times. There are going to be moments where the winds are going to be so strong. Sometimes there's intimidating giants that are, you know, leaning over us, trying to intimidate us, uh, trying to freak us out. And we're going to find ourselves questioning, how long will this take? January 2019, there we were, sitting in a seat 
with oversight, we're telling them that, hey, we've got to put a, a church inside of us in, in Dallas, Texas. And after we explained it to an hour and a half, they said, you know what, God's in this, you need to go. In our minds, by Christmas that year, easily, we would be there. We'd be celebrating Christmas. We'd be having our first winter Christmas because our Christmases are always sun. Uh, our Santa Claus is always in boardies and surf shorts. But uh, it'd be exciting to have a white Christmas. It'd be exciting to be on the other side of the planet. But delay after delay after delay led to Corona after Corona after Corona. Well, here we are, a year and a half at least after that point, that delay has spilt out and we are still stuck on the other side of the planet. Just the other day, we got a phone call that was speaking to our immigration lawyer. He said, get on a flight, get to New Zealand as soon as possible. You stay in Australia, you could be there for another three years with what's going on. Get to New Zealand, be the quickest route for you to get back to the United States of America. So that's what we're doing, we're, we're doing that. Well, you might ask the question, okay, when, when are you gonna get here? <laughs> We don't know. But here's the thing is that there are going to be some delays in the journey. And sometimes we go through these moments in our life where we wonder, when is God going to show up? And I want to say this. I don't know if you've had moments where you've prayed and God's not come through. Moments where you've sought the Lord and you haven't had your breakthrough. I want to say this, that God's delays aren't God's denials. Come on, that was pretty good. Come on, let me say it again. God's delays aren't God's denials. And just because it didn't happen today doesn't mean it won't happen tomorrow or next week. There is a God of breakthrough and in His timing, He will get us there. But this obviously leads to the question, why? Why do I have to wait? Why do I have to go through what I'm going through? Well, I'm glad that you answered that question. I answered this question a few weeks ago in an online message that I did. I'm going to cross you over to that so you can understand why we have to go through these delays. God's delays aren't God's denials. Just because it hasn't happened in your timing doesn't mean that God's not going to fulfill the promise that He gave to you. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 says, For us to be confident in this saying, that He who started a good work in you will bring it to completion. Oh my goodness, I'm telling you, that's a promise right there. If God said it, He will do it. God is no man that He would lie. I want to just tell you this, that you know what? If God's promised it, He will come through in our life. I agree with you. There are times where it is incredibly frustrating when God does not come through in my timing. But we've got to remember, He's God and I'm not. So why would God delay? There are a number of reasons why God delay. The first thing is this. Number one, the dream needs to mature inside of you. It's like someone throwing you a hundred pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. You take that jigsaw puzzle and you, you start to arrange all the pieces and you start to, to, to put it into place. And you, you know what, once you've got those in places, you kind of get a vision exactly. There's a vision in front of you. And, and maybe, you know what, a prophetic word came. Maybe you had a dream at night. Maybe during worship at some point, God threw some pieces in your direction and you kind of got some clarity about what it is. And you go, you know what, that's it there. But you know what, I found this, that you know what, the more I get around God, the more He throws pieces. Uh, you know, a bigger vision. Uh, he expands, but the, the vision's got to mature inside of us. And so, you know what, as we spend more time with God, what you'll find is that, you know what, there's more pieces to the puzzle. And what we've got to understand is that maybe there's a delay simply because we're not clearly seeing the vision that God's got for our life. That the second uh, reason is that I need to mature to the dream. Now, it's one thing to uh, have the dream mature inside of us. This is another reason to have us mature to the dream. 
It's kind of likened to uh, my daughters. So let's say one of them made a decision that, you know what, uh, at age, let's say four, five, six, seven, that, you know what, I, I want to leave school and I want to become a doctor. In fact, I want to be a brain surgeon and I want to perform brain surgery. She decides she walks out of school and she goes straight down the road. She walks into the hospital. She walks up to the department or the, the ward that does the, the, the brain surgery and she says, I'm a doctor, I'm a surgeon and I'm here to do my brain surgery. What are they going to do? Well, they're going to send a security guard down. They're going to grab a hold of her and they're going to usher her out of that place. Probably give me a call. They're probably gonna they'll laugh it off, obviously. In order for her to become a brain surgeon, number one, she's got to finish school. Number two, you know what? Gets go, go to university, college, get a medical degree, do an internship, do get some years behind you, and then maybe uh, at that point you can start uh, operating on someone's brains. But until then, you can stay away from me. I found this. I have to mature to the dream. At 19, I got filled with the Holy Ghost, and oh my goodness, my life was never the same again. I tell you, that encounter within 24 hours, God started downloading visions. Uh, uh, the first night I was dreaming about doing high school ministry, there I was on a stage preaching uh, to hundreds of students. The, the second night I saw myself running my own church. Oh my goodness, I dreamed about what going to The third night I was, I was preaching to you know, tens of thousands of people in a crusade. Uh, I honestly thought that, you know, these dreams will be handed to me within three months. I'd be a senior pastor in three months. There was a delay. It took 15 years before I planted my, my, my first church. Uh, uh, it was frustrating, but I, I realized it was one thing to have the dream mature inside of me, but it was another thing for me to mature to that dream. Uh, if God had given it to me, uh, you know, three months in, I probably would have caused more damage than good at the time. So God needed me to, to mature. I needed to learn some people skills. Uh, I needed to learn some communication skills. Uh, my, my character needed to be shaped and, 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 and reformed. Uh, you're hearing what I'm saying in this place. Every one of us needs to mature to the dream that God's put inside of us. It's one thing to have talent. Uh, the Bible says in, in, in the book of Proverbs that your gift will bring you before kings. But you need to understand, although your gift will get you to the kings, it's your character that will keep you there. And, and maybe the reason that there is a delay is simply because God needs to work on character. There's a thing called perseverance that maybe He needs to work off in you. We're in a world where people run when things get tough, when, when, when we go through a few battles, when things don't go our way, it's just easy to find the closest door and, and run out of that place. But I got to tell you this, so you got to get some perseverance inside you, some stickability that's inside of you that's going to get you through the season you're going through. You, you need to know that God needs to mature us. And there, there may be a work, a, a, a shaving off of stuff of this world that needs to be shaved off in order for us to become the man or woman He's created us to become. So number one, we need to have the dream mature inside of us. Number two is that we need to mature to the dream. Number three, there may be others that God has been preparing to be a part of the promise that He has given you. You ever thought about that? That you know what, maybe this vision He's given you is not just about you. And in fact, you need to know that God's into family. God is into tribes. He, he, he's into us joining one to another. He's not into the Lone Ranger. He's in us working together. And maybe there's a preparation, a season of waiting, but because you know what, there is someone that is very uh, key to the, the future of what you're doing. And you know what, it may be frustrating waiting, saying, well, come on, God, would you just sort them out? But you understand that when God joins people together, there's an acceleration of what God wants to do. Number four, Maybe God's trying to protect you from something. 
I remember hearing stories after 9-11, people in New York City that were running late on that morning. They, they, they should have been at work a lot earlier. Uh, those World Trade Towers, but for whatever reason, they were caught in a traffic jam, for whatever reason that they were held up. And on that particular day, that they turned up late. Well, luckily they did turn up late because they now have a testimony. They're now alive today to tell the story that, you know what, if I had turned up in my normal time, I wouldn't be around today. I would have been in that tower and I would have gone down with that tower. Although it was frustrating on that day for them, it was uh, a great sign that God had it under control, that God was protecting them from something in that season. I want to say this, sometimes there's a reason why God's delaying the process simply because He may be protecting you from a big picture, something that you cannot see in this season. So let me repeat it one more time. God's delays aren't God's denials. So the first thought is how long it's going to take for me to get through the storm. The second thing is, will I actually get through the storm? Now, I say that calmly, but come on, when you are in the middle of crisis, when you're in the middle of something, it's that moment, just like the disciples being swamped by this, I'm going down. It's getting bad. I mean, they're flipping out, freaking out. And you may not verbally say, maybe you are verbally saying that, but can I say this? There are moments where you're saying, man, I feel like this is going down. It's going to be bad. I'm going bankrupt. I'm losing my marriage. I'm losing my kids. Uh, my dream's going down. That's how we feel. But, but I just want to say this, is that the good news is that God's taking you on a journey. The good news is that God's taking you to the other side. The good news is this, is that He will. If you just stay in that boat, if you listen to me, you will get to the other side. But can I say this? There are some moments... Where there are challenging moments, we're just like, man, it's far from good. The good news, he'll get you to the other side. But here's the other thing, is that despite there's a delay, despite your questioning, you're going to find out, the good news is this, you'll find out who is in the boat with you. My question for you, who's in your boat? And I've discovered there are four relationships you need in your boat. Number one, you need life givers and life encouragers. They say that only 10% of your destiny is inside of you, 90% of the people around about you, you need to have life givers. People that have got keys, they're going to unlock doors to, to a better day. There have been days where I've been locked out of a house, locked out of certain rooms, but here's the thing, when someone comes along with a key, they can unlock a door to help me enter into a new day. And i got to tell you this, that if you do not have the right life givers and encouragers in your life, the ones that have the key, that the ones that have the fuel that's going to help you get to the next day, you're going to find yourself crumbling under. You're going to find yourself being swamped and eventually that thing's starting to, to sink in front of your life. Who are the life givers and the life encouragers around about you? Number two is you need to have a healthy marriage in your boat. Now, obviously, I'm talking to people right now that are married, but if you're single, you plan one day to get married, then here's the thing is for the single people that plan to get married, choose the right person. Someone that is going to help you, not just through the good times, but also the, the horrible times, the people that are going to stand beside you in the good, bad, and indifferent. There are two important decisions you need to make in life. Number one, uh, your relationship with Jesus. That's the most important decision. It's a heaven, hell. It's a life and death. It's an eternity question. But number two, uh, it does determine 
uh, heaven or hell on earth. And we're talking about that marriage. If you marry the wrong person, you're going to be going through hell moments every day of your life. So choose wisely. Make sure you do that. But you need to know that you've got a healthy marriage. If you're married today, you need to work on that thing on a constant basis to ensure that there is life in that place. A lot of marriages fall apart in the middle of a storm because they never actually had their partner in the boat with them. Make sure you've got the right people in the boat with you. Number three is you need to have the church in your boat. That's right, you need the church in your boat. I'm, I'm talking about a local church. I'm talking about a body of believers. I'm talking about a place where you're accountable, a place where you attend regularly. I'm not talking about a Christmas Easter time thing. I'm talking about a place where I know them, they know me. I need to have those people around about me that's gonna help me through the seasons that I need to get through. You need to have that because in that place, there are friendships, there are life givers, but there's a pastor, a pastor that prays for you, believes for you, uh, fasts for you, brings uh, the, the word that you need that no one else can bring into your life. But there's fourth relationship you need in your boat. I love this because it says here, they took him along. I love that. The wisest thing that they did is they had Jesus in the boat. My question for you is Jesus in the boat with you. Because for a lot of people, when they get to the, the biggest storm of life, when things are starting to fall apart, can, can I say this? You need to have someone that's greater than human wisdom. We need to have someone that is greater than human power. I need to have a Godhead. I need to have Jesus in the boat with me to help me. The boat was going down. And the wisest thing that the disciples did was take Jesus on the journey with them. You need to have Jesus on the journey with you to the other side. Every one of us has dreams. We all have desires. We have plans. We have purposes. But, but here's the thing. The Bible says that man comes to terms with their plans, but it's God that orders the steps. Now I'm going to say this, every one of us has kind of got these thoughts, these ideas, these plans of how it's going to unfold, but there are going to be moments of, of storms, moments where you're wondering how I'm going to get through this. If Jesus is in the boat with you, he's going to help you get to the other side. And very shortly, I'm going to give you an opportunity, no matter where you are, to get your life right with God and make sure that Jesus is in the boat with you. But I've got to finalize this to say this. There are so many different storms that we have to face. Health storms, financial storms, career storms, relational storms, mental and emotional storms, storms that the enemy just brings. Why? Because the enemy hates you. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. We have to deal with this stuff. And I've got to say this. It's in that moment, the enemy, he wants you to jump ship. He wants you to turn the boat around, to go back. He wants you to give up on that dream. But can I say this? Don't give up. Come on, listen to me. Don't give up. Get a hold of you. Don't give up. You need to. Come on, come on. Get your focus right now. Don't give up no matter what goes on, no matter how hard it is. Because with Jesus in the boat, he's going to help you get to the other side in Jesus' name. Come on, would you close your eyes right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask heaven would come. I ask God that you to breathe upon every person. Father, despite the storm, despite, Lord God, the pain they're walking through, despite, Lord God, Father, the enemy that, Father, is intimidating at this time, Lord God, let them know that you're on the boat with them at this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Hey, before I finish up, I want to say this. The Bible is very clear. When we pass from this life to the next, we will have to stand before Jesus, the one who created the heavens and the earth. I want to give you the opportunity to get your life right with God. You can pray a prayer, a simple prayer, which I'm going to lead you in very shortly, where Jesus can come into your life, forgive you your sins. So why don't you close your eyes right now. Say these words after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask that you forgive me 
of all my sin, Jesus, come into my life. I want to follow you from this point forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on. If you prayed that prayer, I believe you're a Christian. I want to encourage you. Come on, send a message to someone in this church, maybe the pastors in this church, but let them know because they want to take you on a journey. Join a church. In fact, this is a great church. Be part of a church family. It's going to help you get to the other side. But let me tell you this, that where there's a shift taking place in this season, a shifting of the gear, don't be a whiner that stays in that first gear. Don't be, don't be just around for one little season. Uh, but come on, shift gears. Because I tell you this, God's going to use you to bring miracles. Number two is that our influence is going to a new level because we chose to put Jesus in the boat with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.